0: Thank you, Pastor Andy. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you're well. It's an honor to be with you folks today. First ministered as a guest minister at Whitley back when the you folks met across the highway. And there were about 60 people. And I remember there was a great deal of controversy in the church at that time because Pastor Farrell had introduced an overhead projector. <laughs> and it seems to me, Pastor Andy, y'all got over it. <laughs> It is a thrill to see what God's doing among you folks, and uh, my family has ministered a number of times as evangelists, and a joy to be back with you today. Farrell and Millie are close friends, and Pastor Farrell and I spent last Monday together and just had a little bit too much fun. But uh, you all are blessed to have a tremendous pastoral team here, and just let them know that you appreciate them. And how about these musicians and singers? Aren't they doing an amazing job, an amazing job? And uh, uh, I've ministered in about 700 different congregations in 43 denominations. And friend, there is only one church, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And we are partners in the gospel with all people who love Jesus Christ. But uh, great to be with you today. Pastor has asked me to minister on marriage. And uh, we saw a little clip from the Beverly Hill billies. I remember that when it was a first-run TV show. Anybody else? Uh, yes, you, were, you and I were there when dinosaurs were still upon the earth. <laughs> and uh, ran into some country songs about marriage, and since we had a little country video clip today, some, some country songs about marriage and relationships and this and that. picked this up from a performer by the name of Aaron Wilburn, I think his name is, One country song is, how can I miss you when you won't go away? Another one is, if the phone doesn't ring, it's me. This one's cute. When you leave, walk out backwards, so I'll think you're walking in. This one here is a bit strong, said, if I'd have shot you when I wanted to, I'd be out by now. (laughs) Ever been there in marriage? No, 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 you're too spiritual for that, aren't you? You're so wonderful. If you won't leave me alone, I'll find somebody who will. I'm so miserable without you, it's almost like having you here. Sorry I made you cry, but at least your face is clean. Guys, that apology doesn't work too well. Take me out to the cornfield, honey. I'll kiss you between the ears. And my personal favorite and the last in this list, if my nose ran money, I'd blow it all on you. Yahoo! My wife and I celebrated 27 years of marriage this last January. uh, She'll be joining us second service and uh, she is the second best thing that ever happened to this skinny preacher uh, is Becky Campbell Smith and I'm pleased to to be hers and she is mine. Marriage is God's idea. He brought that idea forward in the garden before the church was revealed and even before the plan of redemption was revealed. Marriage is God's plan. So today I want to take uh, a few moments and have us look at a marriage manual from the Scripture and hit some high points here. A blessed and fulfilling marriage is a challenge. It takes determination. It takes patience, hard work. But the fruit of it lasts for generations. Grandparents on my father's side were married 64 years before one of them died. That's something to celebrate. On my mother's side, I think they were married 63 years before one of them died. And friends, sad to say, in my generation, I'm now 51, there will be a lot less people reaching that number. Many people in our culture have gone through the tragedy, the trauma of divorce, But thank God we serve a God of a second chance. However, I would be remiss today if I did not lift up the standard of marriage that it is for life. God's grace to you if you have gone through divorce and the Scriptures are filled with people that needed a second chance at life. And God is the God of a second chance. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So let's look into the Scripture today. First in Genesis chapter 2, I believe it will be on the screen. Genesis 2, 24 from the NIV. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. And man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And picking up in Mark's Gospel chapter 10 verses 1 through 9. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by saying, "'Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife?' "'What did Moses command you?' he replied. They said, "'Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away.' It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one, flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. But at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So there you have, in a nutshell, God's plan for marriage. So I want to hit the high spots, if you will. I want to hit the high spots today. God bless our singles. Would you agree? God bless singles that are in the body of Christ. God bless people like the Apostle Paul, who poured his energy into ministry as a single man. He very likely was a widow, widower, widow, forget that. Because being raised as a Pharisee, he would have been married to enter ministry. But perhaps he was widowed, and later in his life, as he preached the gospel, he did that as a single. We think of people in the Old Testament, like Elijah, that would believe he was single. And friend, then in the New Testament, you see Dr. Luke, the author of Luke and of Acts, very likely a single man, a physician. So God bless those that God has either called or gifted or for whatever reason find themselves as single adults. We need your input, your ministry. However, for the majority of us, married life will be the direction that life will take. And so singles, I'm not ignoring you today. I just want to speak uh, about marriage because it is the foundation of culture. It's the foundation of the church. It's the foundation of godly generations. Jesus is moving now in this part of his ministry. He's moving toward Jerusalem. He is ministering, uh, and, and step by step, he is moving toward the last week of his life. The Pharisees are asking him a question about divorce. Now, understand, they're in, right where Jesus is preaching. He is in the territory of Herod Antipas, one of the grandsons of Herod the Great, who built the temple in Jerusalem. And Herod Antipas is the fellow that had John the Baptist arrested and beheaded for preaching against Herod's illegal marriage. And so, friend, the Pharisees may be trying to trip Jesus into saying something against the king so they can have him arrested and killed. So this is a deceitful question, very likely. that They've got an agenda. They've got an agenda. They're really not interested in what God has to say. They've got an agenda trying to trip up the Lord Jesus. There were suitable grounds in the Old Testament for divorce, but God made that clear. Jesus made it clear that it was because of human weakness, because of the hardness of people's hearts, In Jesus' day, a husband could divorce a wife for just about anything, including burning his food. So let's look in today. I'm not going to spend all my time talking about divorce, but rather about lifting up marriage. First, let's look at the blueprint of marriage. In this owner's manual about marriage, Jesus says, at the beginning of creation, God made them. Male and female. I think it was Woody Allen that said he had three kids. He has one of each. I don't quite understand what that means, but friend, God made male and female. He made us different. While women and men are all human, how many of you have noticed that there are significant differences? And that's not just anatomical differences. That's just not in the way our bodies are constructed, though that is significant. Our minds are different. Hello? Now I'm told, though I don't remember it well, that when a, a baby boy is in the womb, that there's a certain period of time when testosterone floods his brain. That is a male hormone makes men aggressive, and so on. And what it does, that hormone changes the way the right brain and the left brain communicate. And so they they tend to, uh, when a man thinks, he tends to either think with his right or his left brain. He tends to be singularly focused, whereas women, they have all the connection between between the right and the left sides of the brain. So so so, ladies, you're running around with a whole brain, and us guys, we got half a brain. <laughs> How many of you women have kind of noticed that? That that no, but really, men tend, tend to tend to think with one side of the brain or the other. Women, you've got antenna all over the place. Young people, you notice mom has eyes in the back of her head? Yeah. Because women, the way God has created them, they, can, they are multitaskers. everything's interconnected. We are different in the way we process information. Men are like Joe Friday, what on that uh, whatever that dragnet show was. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. <laughs> but ladies, you are tuned in to all kinds of different things that we men sometimes miss. But we need each other. Men are problem solvers. But women are the emotional, relational glue for our families because of your marvelous gifts of intuition. We process things differently. We are emotionally different. Women tend to be shy with their bodies. Men tend to be shy with their emotions. So, friend, it's not just the outward appearance that men and women are different, but when God brings a woman and a man together, we complete one another in Christian marriage. He said they were male and female. And so, friend, right there at the beginning, homosexuality is outside the pall of God's plan for mankind. that at the beginning He made them male and female. I grieve at the way the Christian church has handled sexuality over the millennia. Many times we have communicated so much shame about the human body, about sexuality. Friend, God made sexuality as a gift to the man and his wife, and He said it was good. He said it was good. And friend, when I just have to believe that on that wedding day in the garden, that when, when God sent the man, He blessed the man and the woman, and when He sent them away, by the way, when God created Eve, He presented her to Adam, and Adam saw her and he said, Whoa, man, and she was called woman. but God made them man and woman. Unfortunately, the church has often been embarrassed or afraid to really address the issues of sexuality. And friend, God is not embarrassed by this topic. Sexuality needs to be taught in our churches because if our children do not hear it here, they will get the information somewhere. When I was a youth pastor, my wife and I taught extensively on this topic, at times taking the young ladies and young men into separate rooms, Becky with the girls and me with the guys, to address their unique issues. And I had a man come to me and he said, Thanks for teaching my son about sex, so I don't have to. Friend, we need to be training our sons and daughters about these issues, so that they hear it in a healthy, proper way. But God made the man and woman, male and female. And friend, homosexuality is outside of God's plan. Homosex is not a, it's not the unforgivable sin. It is no worse than gossip among church people. It's no worse than addiction to pornography. It's no worse than any other form of addiction. It's no worse than bitterness or unforgiveness in our lives. But homosexuality, like all sin, will damn your soul and separate you from God. But God does not hate homosexuals. Listen to me. God does not hate homosexuals. He loves these individuals and desires to draw them into community and to be received and to be made whole. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. But friend, it is not God's plan. It violates 5,000 years of recorded human history. When a man and a woman coming together to produce offspring and to raise them with their convictions and their faith has been the foundation of stable societies, it has been the foundation of God's kingdom. Homosexuality cannot produce offspring. It violates God's law in the Old and the New Testament. But friend, the house of God, Whitley Church, should be a place that is safe for homosexual individuals to come and find that God loves them and wants to forgive them and to restore them. Can I hear an amen? Friend, it is true that homosexuals, if you will study them, the vast majority of them, not all of them, but the vast majority, have experienced some sort of trauma, molestation, or some sort of thing that has, if you will, twisted their their love map in life. But friend, the blueprint has been for one man and one woman. Like the, the movie Fireproof, saw it the other night with my wife, I recommend it to you. It's not a blockbuster, but it's a good movie. has some cute moments, but has some uh, great illustrations of loving your spouse and forgiving. But it likened the man and woman to salt and pepper. How many of you have seen that film? You can see it for two bucks in Smithfield, by the way. It likened the man and wife to salt and pepper. Point number two, if you're taking notes, there's a fence in the blueprint. For, there's a fence in the owner's manual for marriage. Marriages can get in trouble when you don't put fences in the right place or you leave the gate open. It said, it said, there is a fence. Now look in verse 7. For this reason, a man will leave. Everybody say, Leave. leave. Say it again. Leave. leave. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. When you leave, that means you cut the apron strings. Now, mama, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard, mom, isn't it? You raise that boy, you raise that son, uh, that daughter, you, you raise them, and you want to hang on to them. I'm always a little bit anxious whenever I've counseled a young couple that's about to be married, and they're going to move right next door to mom and dad. Now, if you live there, that's fine, but you better be able to have a fence, and you better be able to know when to open and close that gate, because the Scripture says that the man and wife join together and they leave. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go to California if you're from, you know, Princeton. It doesn't mean that. But it means that you're putting a perimeter around your marriage because your your first loyalty is not to mama. It's to your spouse. And dad and mom, when we have adult children, we need to respect the fence. We need to respect the boundaries. That we can no longer, you know, the scripture says, children obey your parents. Yeah. That's for school age kids. But when you have adult children, we follow the Lord by honoring our parents. But there are times when we must keep that boundary, and it's not negotiable. My middle brother, six years younger than me, married a young woman from a troubled family. They had a child. But that, that marriage was on rocky ground, but the beginning of the end was when they moved 300 feet From her parents. It was an abusive family, molestation, incest going on, and it totally destroyed. Why? Because they could not leave, and the parents would not respect the boundaries, the fence. And so, friend, you've got to have boundaries around your marriage. There are times when dad and mom, you need to leave the kids at home and you need to go have a honeymoon. And you know, all the guys say, yeah, all right. Preacher, get to the verse about being naked and unashamed. Let's get to that verse. My wife will be in second service, so I won't say that then. Okay. Um, but there are boundaries. You've got to have boundaries in family. I know if one individual doesn't allow his children to lock their bedroom door. Friend, I respect my children's privacy. I do not enter their room without knocking. Why? Because it's their space. That's their boundary. i walk in. If they say, don't come in, I don't come in. But friend, you've got to put boundaries around your marriage. There are times you've got to have boundaries in place with your friends. Hello? You've got to have boundaries in place with family. You've got to have boundaries in place with career. Now our bedroom. All right? My wife and I have ministered together. I mean, working together, living together. Twenty-seven years we have always worked together in ministry. But when we come into our bedroom, and my wife's better than this at this than I am, we don't talk shop. You come into that bedroom, and that is our we've decorated it to be a retreat. To be a place we get away from stress, get away from the demands of life, and that is our spot. And I'll start talking shop. She'd say, "Not in the bedroom. Not, that's a boundary. That's a fence." When our child was facing stage four cancer, Sarah, she'll be in second service. And thank you, by the way, for praying for her all these years and for the way your church has supported us during that time. She's now 6 years out of her bone marrow transplant and cancer-free, thank the Lord. There were some relatives came from out of state. Sarah spent 160 days in the hospital and these relatives have their issues. I know your relatives don't, but ours do. These relatives do not respect anybody's boundary. They'll come when they want. They leave when they want. They'll get into your business when it's not their business. They're unhealthy people. They love God, but they're un- you can love God and be unhealthy. Hello? These individuals said, we're coming. Becky and I discussed this. Came in from out of state. Went to a lot of trouble to come see Sarah before her bone marrow transplant. And I said, Becky and I have discussed this and you can come for three days. three days I said three days I said we'll spend some time with you you can spend time with the kids but right now our whole focus is on keeping this family together and we just don't have the energy right now we really don't oh. <laughs> and then the triangulation started do you have any do you have any triangulating relatives you know if you go to them and say no then they run to your spouse yeah that's exactly what happened. Called up my wife on the cell phone trying to work the triangle against me because I was a bad guy. I'm the one that said to the relative, sorry. Working in that angle, friend. You've got to maintain your fences. You've got to leave and cleave, as one preacher said. The people had driven down and something had happened with their vehicle and they had to fly down, came to me all excited, said, listen, we got our airline ticket changed and we can stay 12 days now. I said, we said three days. If you want to borrow our car and go visit your friends in South Carolina, great. But we're going to spend three days with you and that's all. Friends, sometimes you have to do that in life. It's okay. Some of you may need to read the book, Boundaries from the North Mayor Clinic by Henry Cloud. It's called Taking Charge of Your Life. It's about boundaries. Point number three, the union. We're looking at at an owner's manual for marriage, verse 8, and I've got to move on here. And the two will become flesh, and they're no longer two, but one. The two become one. They become one flesh. Jesus, back to quoting, uh, he's back to quoting Genesis now. And the flesh, the one flesh union was to be considered a form of blood kin, blood relation. He's talking about sexual union, that private, holy thing that God has designed for a man and wife to share exclusively with one another, exclusively with one another. Something to be guarded, something to be cherished, something that takes practice. We're not like the animal kingdom, we're driven by instinct. Friend, sexuality with human beings has to be learned, has to be learned. So get lots of practice. (laughs) (laughs) But our culture being so sexually saturated, tends to see this verse, and we would tend to see this verse, just in forms of sexuality. And yes, it's about that. And yes, that's a part of it. But friend, there is also an emotional-spiritual bond. The times when my wife and I have been together, our bodies co-joined, we've had times of prayer together, we've grieved together, we've laughed together. Why? Because, friend, that's the closest you can be to a human being. We have worshipped together. We've been vulnerable with one another. There is an emotional, spiritual component. It's not just two bodies coming together. It isn't human sexuality. There is a bond that takes place. That's why it is one man and one woman for life. That is God's blueprint. And as we follow His design... Friend, we can have a fulfilling marriage. It is also the joining of property. That's what yours is mine and what's mine is mine. No, no, wait, 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 wait. No, wait. Whenever I counsel young couples preparing for marriage, I encourage them to have a joint checking account because it's not yours and it's not mine. This is ours. It's our money. It's our car, our home. And so, friend, the plan is one flesh. My wife and I at two different seasons in life have sought marital counseling. I'm not talking about just premarital counseling. I'm talking about marital counseling. Why? Because we needed help. We had, our marriage had been traumatized by behavior in extended family. I'm not going to get into that. But we needed help to navigate that because the enemy wants to do anything he can to destroy the one flesh union. One in spirit, one in mind, one in body. And so friend, if you need help, your pastors are here. They can guide you toward trained Christian counselors. The ninth verse talks about the commitment of marriage. i have been talking about the union. Let's move on to commitment. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Divorce is a word. It's a four-letter word in my family. How about yours? But friend, if you're here and you've been through that tragedy and trial, may God heal and restore and give you a new beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about that. But friend... When you make that commitment, it's forever. It's to be forever. Yes, the Scripture gives permission with adultery and abandonment for divorce. But, friend, God, but His perfect will is to, to have us work it out, is to work it through, is to forgive. Whenever divorce happens... There's always, on either one or in on the part of both partners, there is human weakness or sin. The devil and our culture works against marriage. So, friend, if you're preparing to marry, if you're engaged, friend, it is a serious decision you're making, and you must decide this is for life. Come hell or high water, and you're going to get both. Can I get a witness? I said, you're going to get both. One night, my wife and I went out for a date. It was back before kids were born. We'd been married five years at the time. She was young, and I was immature. <laughs> Serving as youth pastor in, over in Smithfield, we went, were going into Raleigh to see a movie, and I wanted to see something where they blow stuff up. <laughs> she wanted to see a chick flick, and I said, fine, we'll see a chick flick, but does anything, I mean, does <clears throat> see? Is there anything I mean I mean is there any cool technology or anything? She said I just want dialogue. I want dialogue. I think yeah, but but I mean nice toys can, they, can you know. So we got into a little disagreement. I know that never happens with y'all. We were having intense fellowship. As, as some have call it. And and we're getting into it a little bit. We're not yellers or You know, fighters, We just there was an intensity in the place. She wasn't submitting. (laughs) So I pulled the car over. Uh I took my wallet out. We're on 70 now, somewhere near Clayton. Took the wallet out, and I threw it in her lap. I said, here, go see a movie. I'm walking home. This is about 5.30 in the afternoon in the fall, so the sun's starting to go down. And I start walking off. So she pulls off in our little German coupe that we owned at the time. Goes down to the stoplight, does, does a U-turn, and goes back toward Raleigh. I think, good riddance. You know. And I'm walking. You know, it's about five or six miles to Smithfield from where I was. I hadn't planned, planned this real well. And, uh, you know guys if you're going to do this plan it out so you're only walking a mile home but, but uh, three or four minutes later she pass, drives past me mm-hmm. goes down and turns around I see her go back the other way a little bit longer the next time mm-hmm. she didn't wave didn't even look the sun goes down I'm still walking I have set my face like flint. I'm a man of God, and I'm doing His will. She went by three times, and then no more. It's getting cool. It's dark, and I'm trying to stay away, you know, from the vehicle so I don't get run over. I walked a good hour, which for me is about four miles, And I thought, you know, this, this ain't working too well. <laughs> so I turned around and I walked back toward Clayton another, I uh, walked an hour back. And where's this woman? She has abandoned me. How dare she abandon me? Walk past this little furniture store on the left as I'm going back toward Raleigh. It was lit up in the front. And they had rocking chairs in front of it. So I sat down in the rocking chair. We'd been apart now about two hours. Sat there, and I'm just rocking back and forth. By this time, it's, it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Sat there about an hour, expecting to see little orange car go zipping by, and I never did. Sitting there thinking, man, how am I going to work this out? After about an hour, a police cruiser pulls into the driveway. pulls up beside the furniture store there and zips the window down. He says, the cruiser, the, the policeman says, Evening, Reverend. <laughs> uh, Me? He said, You're Reverend Smith, aren't you? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> Yes. He said, your wife is right next door beyond those trees, the 7-Eleven. She is scared to death. How about you get in the car? And so I got in the car. It's kind of quiet in the cruiser. He's going. (laughs) (laughs) Pulled right up to the stoplight next to the 7-Eleven, just as my senior pastor pulls up in his car. And he drops me off at the 7-Eleven, and my pastor says, "You guys okay?" He said, "Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we're okay." And so, friend, my my wife and I have our challenges, just like you. Our marriages. Oh, we went home. <laughs> hey, we got two kids, sister. So it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. We kissed and made up eventually, though for a little while I was married to the ice queen. But uh, uh, my pastor never, ever mentioned that, though I know he wanted to. During the season with our daughter's treatment, we had marriage counseling. Why? Because, friend, i want to grow old and senile with this lady. I want to grow old enough that we both lose our teeth and we have to look around trying to figure out where we... I want generations, God willing, that follow us to look back and say, I want not be like them. Through hell and high water, they stuck together. 80% of families that, cha- that face the death of a child or childhood cancer, their marriages end in divorce. That's why, that's why we sought counseling to help me deal with my issues and her with hers and help us to keep the thing together because it's more than just about me and her it's about the kids it's about the church it's about our culture when we follow God's design and we work out our stuff and humble ourselves and apologize as I did and we recognize the natural selfishness and weakness of ourselves and friend we can make it you can make it. Finally, my last point, and I've got to close. 25th verse of Genesis 2. says, the man and his wife were naked, and they felt no shame. Friend, the goal, the goal is unconditional love. It's to love each other warts and all. Warts and all. That there was unconditional love with Adam and Eve, and since that time, men and women in marriage have been trying to get to that goal. But friend, that is the goal, an unconditional love. That no matter what you do, I love you. I love you. I love you. Just like in the movie Fireproof. The young man, when he got over his selfishness and let God get a hold of his life, Began to love his wife, whether she returned that love or not. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Go see it. Becky and I celebrated our 25th anniversary two years ago and wrote a song for her that I sang at the little ceremony. The title of the song is Please Say Yes Again. Please say yes again. So, friend today, God is for you. He is for your marriage. He is for your family. Let's stand together. If you're here with your sweetheart, if you're here with your spouse, would you take their hand or put your arm around them right now? not wanting to leave anything out, but today's message is about married people. If you're engaged, if you're dating, appropriately touch. Hold the hand, put your arm around the shoulder. Would you take a moment, and we're going to pray right here. Would you take a moment and pray quietly but out loud for your spouse? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lift your voices. Our Father, we bless these marriages that are here today. Father, some of them are facing impossible times financially. Some of them, Lord, forgot to close the gate on the fence. Some of them are hurting. Some of them are facing addiction or rebellious children. Some of them are facing, God, just very private heartache. God, some of them have been assailed by sin and immaturity and selfishness. And I am praying, God, for courage to get help but also to seek wisdom from your word, to find grace to help in time of need. I pray against every lie of the devil that would seek to divide and confuse and conquer. Lord, I pray that you will restore and make all things beautiful in your time. Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Bless those who are dating and guide them in their destiny if they are to be married. God, guide them and confirm your will. For our singles, we give you praise for the gift they are to this body and to our our community. Father, for single moms and dads, give them grace with their unique challenges. For widows and widowers, comfort and give them strength and peace. Thank you for the gift they are to us and their families. But Father, let there be just a hedge of marvelous grace and protection around these families hallelujah friend i've not preached the gospel today but whitley church exists to make heaven crowded if you're not a follower of jesus christ uh, please don't leave this building until you are you can talk to me pastor andy one of the leaders i'm going to stay around the front of this building and if that's you if you're just not a follower of jesus you don't understand all this stuff but you want God in your life, you want to know what that means and what that looks like, would you talk to Pastor Andy or me or one of the other leaders? Because friend, God is for you. He wants to be a part of your life and guide you through this broken world. Thank you, Father, for your love and for the privilege of being with this incredible group of people. And everyone said, Pastor Andy, would you come? Give Steve a big round of applause. Balls. Excellent, excellent. Don't be silly.